0: All right, so God works in our lives. We have seen that just now in uh, the testimony that Caroline shared. It's amazing how God writes stories. He changes hearts. And He wants to change our heart. The question is, are we willing? Uh, Sometimes it is a long and painful process. Today we will look at three persons. We will look at Judah and Joseph, and Jesus. We will see a change in Judah. We will also see the patience of Joseph, and we will also see the longing of Jesus. The other day I said that Jacob and Joseph were separated for 13 years, but later I realized I was wrong there. It was actually 13 years plus 7 years of uh, plenty and then two years of famine, so that is 22 years altogether. So, let me correct that. Um, and I take it that Genesis 38, that is the chapter that we sort of skipped, it's not a very child friendly chapter. The story of Judah and Tamar, I take it that this uh, episode in Judah's life took place during those 22 years. Um, Genesis 38 verse 1, it happened at that time that this that time means when they had sold Joseph into slavery Uh, at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside. See it was Judah's idea to sell Joseph as a slave. And then Joseph was sold into slavery, they came back home they lied to their father and they saw how father Jacob was totally devastated believing that a wild animal had torn his favorite son his beloved son to pieces and now Judah turns aside with a terrible guilty conscience he turns aside turns away from his brothers and Judah's life spirals down really when you read the chapter he ends up with a prostitute at least that is what he thinks but Three months later, he hears, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immortal, and she's pregnant. And then Judah reacts very hypocritical. He says, let her be burned. Then Tamar says, oh, wait a moment. Let me tell you who is the father. It is you. And that was really an eye-opener to Judah. Suddenly, Judah sees himself. And then he makes a confession. He says, she is more righteous than I. I believe it's here that Judah's heart starts to change. God is working in Judah. And it starts with this confession. She is more righteous than I. In other words, I am worse. I am a sinner. And that is very important. We all need to start there. I am a sinner. And then I believe he turns back, back to his brothers, back to the people of God. And how do I know that? Well, Genesis 42, where we uh, will continue today, happens after those 22 years. And we see that Judah is back with his brothers. So he turned away, but he also turned back. That was in the second year of the famine that uh, Joseph had predicted with the help of God. Um, so there were seven years of plenty in, in Egypt and all around. And now the famine had started, the second year. And Jacob hears that there is grain for sale in Egypt. And he says that there's grain in Egypt. And just that word Egypt, you can see the reaction on the faces of the brothers, 10 brothers. 22 years had passed but time does not erase sin, and time does not clear the conscience. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. So the moment Jacob says Egypt, straight away they think of Joseph, the terrible secret that they were trying to hide away, but it was all there on their minds. Not a word was spoken, but these ten brothers, they all knew from each other exactly what they had on their minds. Jacob says, why do you look at one another? And then they have no choice but to go down to Egypt, the ten brothers, and Benjamin, the youngest one, stayed back. Jacob wouldn't let him go. He had already lost Rachel uh, and Joseph, and all he lived for was Benjamin. The other ten sons and his daughter were secondary and Joseph in Egypt he has now been in power for nine years seven years of plenty, two years of famine he is second in command and it would have been so easy for him somewhere during those nine years to just make a trip to Canaan take some soldiers, take some chariots go down to uh, Canaan see his father to show up to his brothers to reveal their sin what they had done it would be so easy for him to just go there and force them to make the dreams come true to force them to bow down to him he was now the ruler of Egypt with soldiers and chariots and all that but Joseph never did that he never forced things Last week, we saw that Joseph did try to help himself a bit once when he was in prison. um, with those dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. And then he's asking the cupbearer, please mention my case in front of Pharaoh when you are restored in your office. But it didn't work. We saw last week that the cupbearer forgot all about him. But Joseph also learned then that God's timing was just perfect. Joseph got out of prison just at that moment when Pharaoh was having those dreams Uh, he was used by God to explain those dreams. He was promoted suddenly from prison to the palace and then those seven years of plenty followed and then the famine came. It was now all about grain. And maybe I'm not sure, but maybe in Joseph's mind, a picture started to form as to what the future could look like. I don't know. Maybe he remembered his dreams. Dreams about grain. Dreams about his brothers bowing to him. See, God had been working, and not just in Judah, but also in Joseph. This one beautiful verse in Psalm 105, verse 19, where the psalm reflects on Joseph. He says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And somehow Joseph knew, I believe through the Spirit, that he had to wait on God. He decided to trust God, to let go, to leave the unfolding of this whole story into God's hands, to let God write the story. And it is a most amazing story of forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration of relationships. So the famine started to drive people from Canaan to Egypt because there was food. But Jacob, living in Canaan, was rich So he could last quite a while. So Joseph waited and waited a whole year. And then the second year came. And then one day he saw them, his brothers, all ten of them. And they bowed to this stranger, this ruler of uh, Egypt, with their faces to the ground. Genesis 42 verse 6. And Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Because 22 years have passed, uh, Joseph looks like an Egyptian. They don't recognize him. He had changed so much. But he sees them, he recognizes them. And then it says, verse 9, Joseph remembered the dreams. And when you read it, you're like, okay, Joseph, this is your moment. Review yourself, do it. But no, Joseph aims higher. He wants to know two things. The first thing, is my father still alive? And secondly, have my brothers changed? Are they now treating Benjamin, the second favorite, the only one remaining of Rachel, are they now treating him the same way as they used to treat me? Or have they changed? That is what Joseph wants to know. And therefore he chooses the long and painful process that will lead to a wonderful climax. Joseph is going to test his brothers. And sometimes God does that in our life too. And that is sometimes very painful. And we're like, Lord, what is happening? Why don't you, or why can't you, where are you? Joseph treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. The outward appearance was Rough and fierce and hard. You are spies. And the brothers are like, no, my Lord. We are honest people, brothers in fact. Oh, really? Tell me more. But we are 12 brothers and one is no more and one is at home with our father. All right then, let's see if you speak the truth. Bring your brother here. One of you has to stay in custody here and the rest can go back and get your brother. Then they said to one another, in truth we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. You see how they connect the sin in the past to the mess that they are in 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 the present. That is what a guilty conscience does and now they start to realize and they start to feel in their own hearts the distress of Joseph they start to feel what they have done to their brother and they don't even know that Joseph can actually understand their language he was using an interpreter just for show but in fact he was hearing every word of them and then it says that Joseph turns away and cries yes he spoke harshly outward appearance, but inside and in secret he wept. The process was painful, but it was good. Reminds me of Hebrews 12, verse 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Discipline, yes, can be very harsh and painful, but he disciplines the one he loves. The question is, are there things in your life, in my life, that God needs to work on? Are there areas in your heart that He needs to change? And I'm not talking about salvation so much. Of course, that is the most important change of heart. But I believe you can come to Jesus in a moment. You can come now, just as you are. The moment you realize you are a sinner, the moment you realize you are guilty before God, The moment you realize you need a savior, Jesus is right there, the true Joseph. See, in Egypt, the people were crying out to Pharaoh because they were starving. They stopped relying on themselves and they cried out. And Pharaoh's answer was, Genesis 41 verse 55, go to Joseph. And we say today, stop relying on yourself, go to Jesus. You can't save yourself. He can. Turn to him. Put your trust in him if you have not trusted him yet. And you can do that today. You can in fact do that before this sermon is over. And do that in a moment. But those of us who have trusted Christ already, maybe a long time ago, have, haven't we all discovered since that there is still a lot of work to do? Yes, we are given a new life, a new heart, in a moment, once we trust Christ and our Saviour. But that is not the end of the story. In fact, that is when He starts revealing what is in our heart, that is when He is going to clean the house um, and reveal all sorts of secrets and whatever is hidden there. That is when He starts forming us and shaping us into the image of Christ. See, uh, Jacob's family was really messed up. He had four wives, there was favoritism, there were lies and hatred. It was a real mess. We have seen that quite clearly already. But aren't we, all of us, also messed up to a certain extent? So let's ask ourselves, what is in my heart? What needs a change in my own heart? And would you let Jesus work on it slowly and maybe painfully? See, Joseph needs to hurt his brothers and his father too, in fact. But it is in view of healing and Joseph cries, being it in secret. So he says, one of you stays here in prison. Now, who do you think he would pick to stay back in prison? Not Judah, of course. Judah was the one that um, came up with the plan to sell him into slavery. But no, it's not Judah, it is Simeon. He binds him before their eyes because Judah wants Joseph wants Judah to go back. Because he wants to see what is in Judah's heart. Has he changed or not? And then the brothers go back and they tell everything to Jacob, their father. And they say, "Pa Benjamin has to go to Egypt. He has no choice. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. Wow, do you feel that? What Jacob is saying here. There are nine sons standing in front of him, and Simeon is in prison. But all that matters to Jacob is Benjamin. He says, he is the only one left. That is very painful. And you might want to ask Judah, Judah, how does that feel? How does that make you feel towards your father and towards Benjamin? Are you now trying to get rid of him too? Let's read what happens. Genesis 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had Eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah, it's Judah, but Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Verse 8 And Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you, and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Isn't that amazing? Here is Judah, the fourth son of Leah, and Leah was really secondary, very obviously unloved. And Judah was full of hate, hate towards Joseph, he suggested to sell him, but now Judah has changed. Maybe his pain and his bitterness was, were very justified. I mean, it was painful to be treated like that. But bitterness and hatred would never lead to joy and healing. And Judah now knows that he himself is in need of grace. He has learned that in chapter 38. He himself is in need of grace, and that is why he can extend grace to others. In this case, to his own father. In spite of everything, Judah loves his father, and he makes himself a pledge for the safety of Benjamin. And that was a choice. It was a change of heart. It was... Choosing over hatred and pain. It was choosing the best and the higher way. He could have chosen differently. And then finally, Jacob Jacob realizes that he has no other option but to let Benjamin go together with the other nine. And then back in Egypt, they are reunited with Simeon and they are invited for lunch in Joseph's house. Very strange. Let's read that, too. Genesis 43, verse 26. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you have spoken to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered a chamber and wept there. Then after a while he returns, and they have lunch, And portions, verse 34, portions were taken to them from Joseph's table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. See, there was another test. Joseph wanted to see how they reacted to Benjamin being favored. We don't read how exactly they reacted, but what we do read is that Joseph goes deeper now. The brothers are sent home with grain, but then the silver cup of Joseph is put in the sack of Benjamin. And then, of course they don't know that, he sends them off, and then after a while he sends his steward after them, who has stolen my lord's silver cup? And of course the brothers react like, why why would we ever do that? Of course we are innocent, you can check for yourself, and then the steward said, let it be as you say, he who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. And then, of course, this silver cup is found in the sack of Benjamin. Now, how do the brothers react? How would they have reacted 20 years ago? Maybe they would have reacted like, okay, Benjamin, we can't help it. You'll be a slave in Egypt now. Um... Say hi to Joseph, if, if you see him, that would maybe be their reaction, even better than, you know, selling your brother, even better than, than you know, committing a sin and selling him, but just sending him away as a slave, you know, it's your own fault, Benjamin, but look at how the brothers have changed, all of them, without hesitation, returned to the city, and Joseph was still in the house when they returned. And what a joy it must have been for him to see that not only Benjamin was came back with this steward, but all ten of them and Benjamin all came back. But still, he doesn't show anything. He is pushing it some more. He wants to see their hearts for himself. Then Judah speaks up, and I'm going to read this Amazing speech of Judah, Uh, but before I read it, notice three things. Firstly, he does not defend himself. Then he is deeply concerned about his father, and he offers himself up in the place of Benjamin. He does not defend himself, although he is innocent of this crime about the silver cup. He knows he is guilty of another crime, and he admits that. And he is deeply concerned about his father, and he even accepts the fact that Benjamin is the favorite one. And then he offers himself up in the place of Benjamin. Let's read that in Genesis 44. It is one of the most beautiful chapters, maybe in the whole Bible. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both me and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah went up to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ear, and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And he said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then he will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, surely he has been torn to pieces. And I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my grey hairs in evil to seal. Now therefore, as soon as I came to your servant my father, and the boy as soon as I come to your servant my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the grey hairs of your servant our father with sorrow to seal. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that will find my father. What a change we see here in Judah's life. We see humility and confession and love and forgiveness. To be forgiven and to forgive. One verse in Ephesians chapter 4:32: Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that is what is happening in this chapter and in the next. Judah was not having any hard feelings against his father anymore. He loved him. And he even loved Benjamin. As I was preparing this sermon, I prayed. Lord, what do you want me to say? I don't know what is in people's hearts and all the things that have happened in, in our lives. I do hope that this wonderful story of Joseph and his brothers will encourage each one of us to say, Jesus, work in me. To say, yes, Lord, change me, change my heart, even when it hurts. Trust him in that process. He might push it like Joseph did, and push it really far, but never too far. Because here Judah has arrived where Joseph, or rather where God, wants him to be. And when he has arrived there, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. So we saw the change in Judah. We saw the patience of Joseph. And then finally the longing of Jesus. Joseph is in many ways a picture of Jesus. Jesus, the beloved Son of the Father, who was rejected by his own, betrayed, sold for money, in fact, but then exalted to glory and honor. He is also given a gentle bride, just like Joseph, the church, and he is, just like Joseph, the Savior of the world. So in many ways, he, Joseph is... A picture, a type of Jesus. But I want to underline just one phrase in Genesis 45. We read it just now. The words of Joseph. But hear them today as the words of Jesus. Whatever has happened, wherever you are, hear those words this morning in verse 4. Come near to me, please. So we pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing story of Joseph and his brothers and Jacob. A story that tells us what you can do in people's lives, even in our own lives. But I pray that you will help us to know what needs to change in our own hearts to be willing to let you work on it but I pray that you will bring to mind whatever that is maybe pains and hurts from the past maybe a sin that we're dealing with now Father whatever it is, pray that you will reveal it and that you will work on it change our hearts but i pray for those who have never put their trust in jesus yet i pray that they will hear your voice today come near to me please but even those of us who have trusted christ already And have maybe drifted away a bit. Pray that we also will hear your voice today. Come near to me, please. In Jesus' name. Amen.